0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Today is Wednesday, July the 22nd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on July 22nd, 1862, President Abraham Lincoln presented to his cabinet a preliminary draft of the Emancipation Proclamation. Today, in 1587, an English uh, colony was established on Roanoke Island, that's off North Carolina, Later, it would mysteriously vanish. And to this day, they're not sure what happened to that colony. But it was established today in 1587. Today, in 1933, American aviator Wiley Post, he completed the first solo flight around the world. He returned to New York's Floyd Bennett uh, Field, the airport there, after traveling seven days, 18 and three quarters hours, all the way around the world. Today in 1934, bank robber John Dillinger, he was shot to death by federal agents outside Chicago's Biograph Theater. He had just seen a movie there. You know what he was seeing? I was. I don't know why I was interested, but I just was interested. He was watching a Clark Gable movie titled Manhattan Melodrama. I'd never heard of it before, but that's what he was watching. But that was the last thing he saw in this life. Today in 1937, the U.S. Senate rejected President Franklin D. Roosevelt's proposal to add more justices to the Supreme Court. This is called packing the court or court packing. He was trying to do that so he could get all of his agenda passed ultimately through the Supreme Court, if not otherwise. The Democrats are talking about doing that again as soon as they get Biden elected. You should know that. We should all be aware of that. Schumer is talking about it. Pelosi's talked about it. Others are talking about it and said, oh, yes, that's part of our tradition. That's something that we can do here in America. Technically, they can. And that's something we must be very aware of. And that comes to play on this coming election. This coming election has more implication than I have words to describe. And we'll certainly be talking about it over the coming days and weeks and the two or three, four months left before the election. It is almost upon us, believe it or not. Today, in 1942, the Nazis began transporting Jews from Warsaw Ghetto to to a concentration camp. And today, in 1942, gasoline rationing involving the use of coupons began along the Atlantic seaboard. Today, in 1957, Walter Fred Morrison, he applied for a patent. He called his invention a flying toy we know it as the frisbee it's a pretty good idea a lot of frisbees around i'll tell you the bible says in second chronicles for the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him sometimes as a kid my mother would say the lord is watching you And I'd say, ooh, (laughs) that's scary. It's interesting how as we mature, these things, these truths become, come to mean something very different. Be assured that God is watching you, not not to judge you, but to protect you. His eyes run to and fro all throughout the earth. He knows everything that's going on in this world. Everything. I know that doesn't match up with the elites and their highbrow ideas of God and other things, but... It's true. Everything that's going on on this earth today, God is watching over. He's aware of it. And He's watching over you. There is nothing going on in your life that He is not aware of and that He is not touched by the, if it's a negative thing, by the infirmity of it. God cares and God is aware and He loves you. That's why Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. He said, But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. God is good. And I think this is a time when we need to know where we are with God and if we're on his side, as we look at all of these things that are going on in our world today. Interestingly enough, a, white, a majority of white voters believe that American society is racist. White people. Wall Street Journal, NBC, did a poll. They released it yesterday. They said that it is the, they're talking about themselves, but they say it's the deepest look at race in America in 20 years. It's a comprehensive study. That means it was very expensive. But it's a comprehensive it's, it's, uh, study, and 56% of Americans think American society is racist. of whites say American society is racist. 78% of blacks feel that way. 60% of Hispanics feel that way. The survey also found that 82% of Democrats think American society is racist compared to 30% of Republicans and 45% of independents. The journal noted on this deepest survey in 20 years, at the end, the conclusion they wrote essentially said this, and I'm quoting their words, The country remains split on the root cause of racism and how to address racial bias and discrimination, a problem that faces us all. Do we have a solution? Well, as a matter of fact, we do have a solution. I can tell you how to address racism or any other kind of sin I want to tell you a little bit about Pastor Edgar Rodriguez in Chicago. Last night, yesterday, was the nation's third largest city. It saw in Chicago, they saw the bloodiest mass shooting in modern history. This is coming off the weekend, last weekend, over a two and a half day period. 18 people were shot. Yesterday, in one day, one afternoon, as a matter of fact, In Chicago, 15 people were wounded, and there were no arrests. One woman who saw the shooting, she said there were bodies. I'm quoting her. She was talking to the WMAQ-TV in Chicago. She said, I saw bodies laying everywhere. We thought it was a war out there. It wasn't a war. It was a funeral. These people were attending a funeral. And these other people drove by and... Shot 15 of them. So far, none of them who were shot have died. Pastor Rodriguez is the pastor of New City Fellowship. He started in Chicago. He started organizing just last week, not as a result of this latest shooting, but just as a result of the chaos. It's indescribable in Chicago. It looks like Portland or Seattle, except they're killing more people. Pastor Rodriguez pastors a church in Chicago. It's called New City Fellowship. He said the church has got to rise up. He said, quote, this is the church's moment to stand up and lay down all the other languages of networks and denominations and brothers and sisters adopted by the Father, because he said of the good news we believe in, we have to come together and stand together and tell the truth. On July 13th, which was just a week ago, approximately, he and two others started walking at 6 o'clock in the evening in Humboldt Park. They went to this area where there's a lot of homeless population to share hope and prayer with those who ask for help. They're also addressing gangs and others that they have contact with in their city where they live. He said, we just really want God to invade certain parts of the city. He said, we have to be proactive. We can't be reactive. We're not going to wait until somebody else dies and say, well, we'll go out there. The pastor's goal is to find missionaries in each part, in each community uh, of the, the more problemed communities uh, first in Chicago and encourage them to go out and do the same thing. Walk the streets and pray. I mean, obviously they're putting their life on the line because it, guys in Chicago are just shooting people. Sometimes they know them, sometimes they don't. But the pastor said, whether you're a Christian or not, you and I do not live in a neighborhood, in an atmosphere, that is always aggressive, where gun violence is always going to be there. He said, we as citizens have to own our blocks. We can't just live there. The pastor said, we're not trying to pray these people out of the neighborhoods. We're trying to pray them into Jesus Christ so that he will enter their heart, change their life, and they can be a part of the change that we want to see take place in our culture. We need more Pastor Rodriguez's today, but there's risk. There's definitely risk. The federal agents that were sent out to Portland a few days ago by President Trump to protect the federal buildings, and I guess more will be sent to other cities. There's a story out there this morning that says that Antifa has gotten a hold of their identities and their home addresses, and they're now publishing them and urging people to go to their homes, vandalize their homes, and do harm to their families. That's the world we live in. I got this letter from a gentleman in the Seattle area. He said, Gary, my appreciation for Tucker Carlson at Fox News has greatly increased in the last two months. He's talking about some of the pressures that Tucker Carlson on Fox, Tucker has been telling it like it is. He's risen to the number one spot on cable television now, uh, as far as news is concerned, and on Fox as well, of course. But they've been after him. They've been going to his home and, and vandalizing his home and so on. Antifa's behind all of these things. So I think that's what this gentleman that, that wrote this note to me is is referring to. He said, um, my appreciation for Tucker Carlson of Fox News has greatly increased in the last two months, and yet he takes second place, (laughs) I had to say this, to you as the best, most relevant and informative commentator on the very disturbing events taking place in our country today. Keep up the good work. Well, I don't know about your judgment. I'm kidding. But thank you. I'm humbled. But thank you for your support. Thank you for standing with us and to all of you. And to those of you listening in the Seattle area, we're new on the, on the station there and it's expensive and we need your help. I need your help. So thank you to all of you who are supporting us. And a lot of you are, and it's growing. I mean, it's not like it isn't happening, but we're not quite there yet. So I need you to step up and stand with us. If you believe in what we're doing, this man is, and I'm asking others to do so. Many of you are, and I thank you for it. I mean, I, Man, God bless you. I'm very aware of where we are and who's supporting us and all of that. But we just need more people in the Seattle area to stand with us on KGNW. And I know you will. So thank you in advance. And thank you to all of you who stand with us financially. We would not be here without you. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington nine eight zero zero nine box three nine nine Bellevue Washington nine eight zero zero nine and all the rest of you across central and eastern Washington where I grew up thank you for standing with us. Some of you have been with us from day one of this program almost, and that's been several years ago now, thank you. With I cannot find words to express, adequately express my appreciation means a great deal, I wouldn't be doing this if God hadn't spoken to my heart about it. And I think many of you that know me or have been listening for a while, you know that. So thank you so very, very much. Well, Planned Parenthood finally collided with truth (laughs) yesterday. They announced that their (laughs) Planned Parenthood of Greater New York, one of the clinics in Manhattan, is removing the name of Margaret Sanger from its building because of her support for eugenics and her, I'm quoting them, legacy and system of institutional racism. Now, we've been talking about Margaret Sanger since early on when I came on the air here, and I've talked about it as a pastor. I talked about it from the pulpit. I talked about issues as a pastor, and people didn't leave the church. The church grew big. People wanted to hear about issues as it relates to the Bible and looking at the issues of our day through the Bible. And I talked about Margaret Sanger for years, and I, I never thought they would come to the truth on that Planned Parenthood, but I think they've been cornered, especially with this whole racism thing that's going on. So now they're going to take Margaret Sanger's name off the, the abortion clinic. They call it a healthcare clinic. It isn't. It's an abortion clinic. They all are. But they're going to take her name off, and they also apparently own a like a like a mall there or something. It's a it's a square, and they're go. It's called Margaret Sanger Square in New York in Manhattan, and they're going to uh, take her name off that as well. I think they're going to call it. Uh, I read somewhere M- Medical Health Center or something like that, uh, or no Manhattan Health Center. That's what they're going to call this area there. I don't know what they're going to put on the name, just Planned Parenthood, I guess. But they're taking Margaret Sanger's name off. It's very interesting because she is was a eugenist. She was a racist. She really, she hated blacks. She did. And that was part of what drove her. I mean, the history is abundant. You don't have to, like, read between the lines. The books she wrote, the articles she wrote are amazing. So the I mean, she was just a racist. she had particularly toward blacks, other ethnics as well, but she did not like blacks, and she wanted to thin them out and get rid of them in in the society. She saw them, and she wrote often, not just once, but often she wrote them as an inferior race, inadequate race, and all that kind of stuff. So Margaret Sanger is no more. So they're taking her name off Planned Parenthood, and... um, it's interesting. We'll see how that works out. Karen Selter is the board chairman of Planned Parenthood of Greater New York. She made a statement yesterday to the press, and she said, The removal of Margaret Sanger's name from our building is both a necessary and overdue step to reckon with our legacy and acknowledge Planned Parenthood's contributions to historical reproductive harm within communities of color. <laughs> Mark sounds like pretty wordy to me. But Margaret Sanger's concerns and advocacy for reproductive health have been clearly documented, but so has her racist legacy. So they're admitting that Margaret Sanger was a racist, which everybody knew, including them and Hillary Clinton and all of those people. It's interesting; they've been giving out this award every year for for years and years and years. They finally stopped it in 2015. It's called the Margaret Sanger Award. They gave it to Hillary Clinton in 2009. They gave it to Nancy Pelosi in 2015. I wonder what they're going to do with that big. I've seen a picture of it. It's kind of a big, uh, uh you know, kind of like a trophy kind of thing. And it says Margaret Sanger Award, and it thanks them for all of their, you know, help on for health care, which, it, that's code for abortion. And and all of that kind of thing. So I, it's gonna be interesting how they how this plays out for those people. But what I found so duplicitous, and it always is, and it's so misleading. They can remove her name and they think that's going to be okay, make everything go away. But there's a few people out here, and I'm only half smart, and that's this was my first thought. So people smarter than I are gonna think about this. They can remove her name. But they're carrying on her legacy. If she were alive or if she could come back for a moment, she wouldn't care if her name was off, I'm pretty sure. She would just be glad that her legacy, the very thing she believed in, her vision for thinning out the race, particularly black but ethnic races, is going to carry on. Because if you go down the list, every Planned Parenthood, whether Margaret Sanger's name is on it or not, her fingerprints are all over it, and it's near or in the middle of a black neighborhood. That's why they abort more black babies than any other, because that's where they are, purposely so. And they have systematically, over a number of years, found themselves property in those areas. I know Manhattan is is an exception, and there are some exceptions. That one in Olympia, I know, is not in a, necessarily in a black area, it's downtown, but most of them are in a black area, area, black community. And then they stand up and they act as though they're just, you know, overwhelmed by how could this be? Why are there more black babies being aborted? It's because they're targeted by Planned Parenthood. So now they take the name off the wall and they say, okay, now we're okay. We're not racist anymore. Sure they are. They're racist to the core. They're not only racist, but they're in violation of the most fundamental law that God has ever given to mankind. Thou shalt not kill or murder. And the murdering of babies continues. But we're good now. We're virtuous. Because we took Margaret Sanger's name off the wall. Don't believe that garbage that comes from them. They're just playing games with the public. Nothing has changed at Planned Parenthood. And it won't until God sees fit to dry it up and blow it away in the wind somehow. Bernie Sanders was the first choice of the Muslims to be president of the United States. They chose him. They endorsed him, in fact. But once he stepped aside, when Joe Biden suddenly rose to prominence, you remember that Joe Biden was, people were talking, even his friends were saying, maybe he should drop out of the race. Well, he didn't drop out, and all of a sudden, he was the leader. And now he's been in hiding, literally. I know, I know, we're quarantined, self-quarantined, and I know, everybody knows that. But this has been his cover over the last several months. And so now, so now, the Muslims have come out in support of him. They like Bernie. They preferred Bernie, but they're with Biden now. So they had this big meeting yesterday, or Monday, actually, where the Muslims came out formally, they had already endorsed Bernie, and that, of course, is, was is old news. So they came out, Associated Press was there taking breathlessly and, you know, adoringly taking every note they said and so on. But Associated Press said that Biden told the Muslim advocacy organization Summit Monday, he said, I want to earn your vote, not just because he's not worthy of being president, meaning he is Trump, he said, don't vote for me just to get rid of Trump. He said, vote for me because I am worthy. I am, I am earning your vote. And then he he continued to tell them how he's going to earn their vote. He said, I want to work in partnership with you. Make sure your voices are included in the decision-making process as we work to rebuild our nation. And this CEO of this EMGAGE, it's E-M-G-A-G-E, it's a action group for Muslims. It's the largest in the country. He said he's committed to maximizing Muslim turnout for Biden in key battleground states like Michigan. He says Michigan alone has, uh, his organization of Imgage has chapters across the state, with, the state with about 150,000 registered Muslim voters. This um, guy, Alizat, I think is the way you pronounce his last name. He also noted to the Associated Press, who published it, that Trump won Michigan in the last election, and that is a battleground state, as they say. But Trump won by only about 11,000 votes, which is true in 2016. So he says he can turn out, this Muslim guy says he can turn out 150,000 registered Muslim voters, and they will overcome that deficit because Trump won't do better this time. If he does as well, he'll still lose big time in Michigan because the Muslims are going to be nearly 100% behind him. Well, several problem. I don't know about that, but it could be. Several prominent Muslim elected officials have endorsed Biden in a letter. This M-Gage Action Group, they put this letter together, and it's very complimentary, of course, of Joe Biden and and all of that. And some of them that signed it are Minnesota Representative Ilan Omar and the Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, and Indiana Representative Andre Carson. All of them are Democrat, of course, and all Muslim. Minnesota is also a state with many Muslims, and it's a battleground state. So these guys are saying that they're going to push Joe Biden over, you know, over the finish line in these battleground states. And they happen to be, well, like Michigan and Minnesota, states where there's a, a large uh, community of Muslims. And they, you know, they get in the streets, they clog traffic, they, they do their prayers, you know, multiple times a day. I mean, you've seen the pictures, I'm sure I have. And they engage, these guys are engaging uh, this campaign and they have the Muslim in America, the Muslims are coming together and they're calling it Million Muslim Votes to emphasize the Muslim turnout. So they're going with their second choice because he's the guy that won the primaries or probably will win. I mean, he's the presumptive candidate. But I think Americans should have some concerns about Sharia law and the fact that it's not at all compatible with the Constitution. And yet 51% of Muslims in America say that they would prefer or they would like to choose whether or not they live under constitutional law or Sharia law, 51% of them. I think there's more than that, personally, because I think a lot of them were afraid to say. But 51% said out loud, the people taking polls, yeah, I would prefer or I would prefer to be able to choose between. And if they want to choose, you know what they're going to choose. And I believe that the the numbers would have been higher had other people perhaps not said, well, no, I like the Constitution, you know, chuckle chuckle after the guy leaves. So I think that's what happened on this because there's more than that, but at least 51% said out loud that, yeah, they would probably prefer to live under Sharia law. Well, there is no compatibility between these. And I wrote a An article today, and I want to refer you to it if you have time. And some of you ask me sometimes how to get to this, and some of you say you're not on the Internet. And I understand, but it's on the Internet. It's not something we publish, you know, like physical paper. And several have asked if they could receive our paper. We we don't publish a paper. I'd like to, but we just don't have the resources. But it's online. It's at faithandfreedom.us. If you go online, faithandfreedom.us. And just uh, the first thing you see when you go to, U- and remember, it's .us, not .com. If you go to .com, you get somebody else. And there's a university that's now called that. There's there's several other organizations, none of which existed when we started using that name right after uh, in 2003 or four. But anyway, be sure it's U.S. There's a Muslim group that uses faith and freedom for a title and so on. So anyway, you go there and you'll see this article that I wrote today, and it's, it's sourced, as they all are. You can look at that, but I talk about how the incompatibility of Sharia law and the Constitution, and I'm quoting a lot from Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. They were having problems with thieves robbing our ships way back in their day, down along the Barbary Coast. And the Barbary pirates were Muslims. And so that's why they started studying Muslim. That's why Thomas Jefferson bought a Koran. People always say, well, he was not a Christian. He believed in the Koran. He didn't believe in the Koran. He bought the Koran to better understand how to attack these guys and and stop them from robbing our boats way back in his day. And then Adam's son, John Quincy, is our sixth president. He faced these issues as well in his day, and both... Jefferson and Adams and John Quincy Adams later talk about the incompatibility. And I concluded that in the article. I was very interesting, So I would encourage you to take a look at that today. Thanks for being with me today. And thank you for your support. We need it. These are perilous times. Thank you for your prayers. I covet your prayers. We need your prayers. So thank you so much. We'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow. I'll see you then.